Welcome to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. At Victory, we value love in action through growing, connecting, serving, and giving. We work to show God's love and share His truth as we love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. Here's this week's sermon by Pastor Terry Green. This is the first time we've ever used this microphone. So in the middle of the message, Tim may come up and swap it out for the other one. We'll figure that out as we go. But uh, it's a new mic. Hopefully it'll record better and project better on our live streaming. So Megan is going to come up here. My assistant is named Megan, not Vanna. All right. On the screen, you see, name some of the activities mentioned in the Bible that Christians are commanded to do. What was that? Baptism. Love your neighbor. Shout joyfully to the Lord. Pray for your enemies. Are we going too fast? Time out. All right. Another one. Place. Don't worry. Trust and obey. I thought you were going to say be happy, but. Oh. Okay. Ah, share Christ with people and tell them about the joy. There was another one. Believe. I really thought one of the trustees would say, you know, give joyfully to the work of the Lord, but uh, forgive. forgive. Your sins. Honor your parents. Thelma? Overcome, Overcome evil with good. I like that. Cease to do evil, learn to do good. Yes? Don't cheat or lie. Don't cheat or lie. One more right here. Witness for Christ. And then witness. Oh, you have already have share Christ. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll come back to this. You're wondering, where on earth are we going? I'm working on it. I may figure it out here. We'll see. So. All right. We're going to get back to that because we need to add some qualifiers to this. And, and we'll do that in a little bit. If you take your Bibles and turn to Isaiah chapter 1, uh, this morning we're looking that God is disgusted with half-hearted religious behavior. <laughs> Ivy was just looking at me. God is disgusted with half-hearted religious behavior. We're going to read in Isaiah chapter 1, and then we're going to also read in Amos chapter 5. But before we read in those, let me share various translations of uh, Jeremiah 48.10. Cursed be the one, cursed be he that does the work of the Lord deceitfully. And then I have a bunch of translations here. A curse on anyone who is lax in doing the Lord's work. Cursed is he who does the work of the Lord with slackness. Cursed is the one who does the Lord's work negligently. Cursed are those who refuse to do the Lord's work. A curse on anyone who doesn't do what the Lord says. Cursed are those who neglect doing the Lord's work. Cursed is he who does doing the work of Jehovah slothfully. 
Cursed be the one who does the works of the Lord carelessly. Cursed are those who do the Lord's work. I'm sorry, cursed are those who do not do the Lord's work with all their heart. So lots of cursing on there. You came to church, didn't know you'd hear so much cursing, did you? Uh, uh, lots of curses that God puts on people. They're not serving God the way God wants to be served. Now, some of the cursing that God does is brutal and final and destructive on people because God does righteous judgment. But some of the cursing are just, if you don't turn around, you're going to face these problems. So sometimes you have the opportunity to repent and change and grow and mature. But uh, in just a moment, I'll read from part of Isaiah 1. In Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, um, God outlined a worship system for Israel. That worship system included blood sacrifices, sometimes a lamb, sometimes a turtle dove, uh, sometimes an ox, different ways of blood sacrifice. It included incense. I'm glad that we don't have that here today because I wouldn't be able to be here uh, with breathing troubles. The incense don't fit. Uh, it includes celebrations every week for the Sabbath. They would, a day of rest, a day of worship, they would celebrate. Uh, uh, they had celebrations for uh, every month for the new moons and special feasts observed at significant times in the year. This was all part of the religious structure they had in Israel. And we don't meet on the Sabbath, we meet on Sunday. Why did we change? The resurrection of Jesus Christ. Every Sunday the church started meeting to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He rose on Sunday, and we celebrated that. Now, when a Jewish person brought an animal to sacrifice in the Old Testament economy in that structure, when they brought the animal, it was supposed to be symbolic of their repentance. Like they would bring the animal, I have sinned, here's my sacrifice as a blood sacrifice to pay the penalty for my sin. They had some offerings were poor offerings. They had different ones, but it was a symbol of their acknowledgement that it was sin, their confession that it was wrong, and their turning back to the Lord. That's what it was supposed to be. It was also a symbol of the Redeemer who would come. Jesus Christ is called the Lamb of God, the Redeemer who came and gave his life on the cross. And if you trust, in Jesus Christ as your Savior, all of your sins will be forgiven. Now, it doesn't matter how many there are. You could be a really good person. You still need a Savior. You could be a really bad person. You still can receive the Savior. Jesus Christ paid the penalty so that you could be saved. But instead of worshiping God in that Old Testament structure, they began to worship their religious activity. I had a friend years ago tell me, too many people are obsessed with churchianity and not Christianity because this is the place where they do any worship to God. And we're supposed to do it all our lives, all day long, uh, out there praising God and serving him. And so they, they got these rituals down. And so they would still come to the temple and they would still give the offering 
but their heart wasn't right before God. So instead of repenting, they were kind of practically demanding that God forgive them because they did the ritual. So how did God feel about that? Well, you know, he kind of wanted them to know. So he had the prophet Isaiah and then the prophet Amos talk to them about it. Look in Isaiah chapter 1. We'll begin in verse 10. Hear the words of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the law of God, you people of Gomorrah. Now pause right there. Who is he writing to? He's writing to the people who were living in the land of Israel at that time. At when did God destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? Who was alive at that time? Abraham and Lot. And Abraham was alive a long time before Isaiah. So when Isaiah is saying God is calling these people Sodom and Gomorrah, he's saying to the people in Israel in that day, you offend me just as much as Sodom and Gomorrah offended me. Oh, but wait. In Sodom and Gomorrah, they were doing big sins. And in Israel, they were still doing the Jewish rituals. Their heart was not right before God. And God recognized that and was offended by that. Look in verse 11. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices to me, says the Lord? I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and of the fat of fed cattle. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or goats. When you come to appear before me, who has required this from your hand to trample my courts? Bring no more futile sacrifices or vain oblations. Incense is an abomination to me. The new moons, the Sabbaths, the calling of the assemblies. I cannot endure iniquity and the sacred meetings. Your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hates. They are a trouble to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. So how do you think God really felt about their sacrifices? He said, I'm sick of it. Stop it. Who is causing you to do this? Now, in the original instructions in Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, God assigned the task of these sacrifices and these ritual observances, but it was supposed to come from the heart. They were supposed to do it because they loved God and wanted to follow God, and, and they weren't. They were ignoring God and yet doing these rituals. Now, we're here today. Why are we here today? Well, it's Sunday, right? What do we do on Sunday? We go to church. So here you are. Whoopee, I'm glad you're here. You know, we have a little offering box in the back there. You know what Jesus said about the offering? If you start to put your money in the offering and you remember that you have offended somebody else, go make it right with that person first and then come back and put your offering in. I'm sure you've never heard that from the tele-evangelists on TV. <laughs> Send your money. They just. Uh, but God wants your heart first before any of the rituals that you do. And God did not want their rituals 
He wanted their hearts. And so not only that, well, look in Amos. Amos also writes about this same religious activity. And by the way, have you ever had somebody talk to you and say, well, I, I just don't like organized religion. Well, we don't either. In fact, God doesn't like organized religion. He wants a relationship with people. But I, I remember um, Norm Shiley, <laughs> what, what you, was chairman of our deacons here years ago, and uh, somebody told him, I just don't like um, organized religion. He said, oh, come to victory. We're very disorganized here. You'll enjoy it. So. <laughs> but, uh, are you in Amos chapter 5? Did I tell you chapter 5? It was on the screen earlier. Amos chapter 5. If you were in our Bible classes in the Sunday school time, they just went through Amos a little while ago. And, and, uh, but listen, Amos chapter 5, look down in verse 21. I hate. Now I know in our culture, we're taught it's wrong to hate. No, actually, it's good to hate the right things, or maybe better to say it, hate the wrong things. There are certain things we're supposed to hate. We're supposed to hate sin. And there's other things it's, it's okay to hate. So uh, God says, I hate. I despise your feast days. I do not savor your sacred assemblies. Though you offer me burnt offerings and your grain offerings, I will not accept them. Nor will I regard your fattened peace offerings. Take away from me the noise of your songs, for I will not hear the melody of your stringed instruments. But let justice run down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. God hated their religious activity. He did not like them doing the ritual. He wanted their heart. He wanted them to follow him from their heart. Now, in addition to the Jewish religious system, God also had some other laws for Israel, as he has laws for us today that include not only don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, but there's lots of other things that we talked about that are on this board, uh, other things that God wanted us to do. And this is not an exhaustive list. There's lots of things we didn't have room for or time for to put on that list. Um, but look at, in Amos chapter 5, look up in verse 11. Uh, God's talking now about the social system and the legal system. They had a legal system like ours, that made it easier for rich and powerful people or lighter-skinned people to get away with their crimes. God had a rule for social justice and a rule for legal justice and all of that. Verse 11, Therefore, because you tread down the poor and take grain taxes from him, though you have built houses of hewn stone, yet you shall not dwell in them. You have planted pleasant vineyards, but you shall not drink wine from them. For I know your manifold transgressions and your mighty sins, afflicting the just and taking bribes, diverting the poor from justice at the gate. Therefore, the prudent keep silence at that time, for it is an evil time. So they, things were so bad, the last verse there says that honest people were afraid to speak up because they would get attacked. And by the way, churches are being attacked in America today when their pastors stand up 
and speak up for the truth of God's word. The legal system was corrupt. Aren't you glad we can't identify with that? Aren't you glad? Their social system was corrupt. There was no justice in the land of God's people, yet God himself is a God of justice. And he says, I want that to change. Do you sense the heartache that God felt? That God had taken these people, he had created a nation, he had blessed them, enriched them, strengthened them, provided for them, gave them victory over enemies, and they continued to rebel against God to the point where God just said, I'm going to let the enemies win. Imagine your kids or your grandkids, some of you have had to endure a little bit of this, imagine them making fun of you. And they're posting stuff on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and they're mocking your faith and they're scorning and harassing anyone who follows your faith. It breaks your heart when the people you love don't love the Lord your God, doesn't it? Well, of course, it breaks God's heart too. And that's exactly what they were doing to God. But here's what God wanted from them. Here's a few verses uh, that weren't shared earlier in the group that read verses. And I've got them up here on the screen. Deuteronomy 6.5. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Uh, Deuteronomy 10.12. And now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Uh, Deuteronomy eleven thirteen, Earnestly obey or hearken diligently my commands which I command you today to love the Lord your God and serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. And then again in Deuteronomy 13, 5 and 30, verse 6, it says the phrase, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. God wants your heart. This was his instruction to Israel. Your heart. Put your heart in it. Did you see a pattern there? If, if you didn't catch that pattern, it's God really wants your heart. Just as he did back then, so today he wants your heart. And Jesus repeatedly said this in the Gospels. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. He emphasized it. And so here's some principles that can help us follow the Lord our God. Okay, first, number one, how matters more than what? How matters more than what? <clears throat> what deals with your actions? What are you doing? How deals with your attitude. How are you doing it? Um, how deals with the attitude that you have when you're doing things? For instance, how you obey. Let's just say that Teresa tells Lois to set the table. And so Lois goes to set the table and she takes the plates and she smacks them down on the table. And she takes the forks and smacks them down on the table. 
Is she obeying? On the outside. Is she obeying on the inside? Not a chance. Would Teresa be happy with that measure of obedience? No. She might, might put up with it, depending on how many bad things went on that day. But she's not going to be happy about it. Even earthly parents want to see their kids obey with the measure of their heart. How much more does God? How you pray. If you pray before a meal because it's expected, it's the ritual that you do before your meal. You thank God for the meal. Or if you pray before the meal, are you genuinely thankful that God provides your needs? I, I know <laughs> I had a friend who really hated one of the meals his mom loved to cook. It was one of his dad's favorite meals, and his mom loved to cook it. And he said, I swear, every time we eat that meal, dad asks me to pray. How can I thank God for that, you know? Are you really genuine in your gratitude for God for your meal? What about how you give? If you give your offering out of a heart of gratitude and joy that God has blessed and God has provided, and, and in Macedonia it said they gave even out of their poverty. You don't have to have a lot of money to give generously to the Lord. You just give because your heart is joyful in God and grateful for what God has done. Or do you give because, well, that's what's expected. You know, you walk in, you expect to see a grumpy deacon or a trustee standing there by the money box saying, put in, put in. Uh, a lot of people give online, so a lot of people never put a check in there. But when you give, is it duty only? Or is there a joyfulness in giving to the work of the Lord? It's pretty exciting what Megan was sharing about Leonard and Susie Smith down in... in uh, Mexico, in Culiacan, and we've been supporting them longer than I've been the pastor here. Our church has supported them for 30 years. And what a blessing that, that we had this long-term missionary commitment with them. And uh, we, we have been joyful in giving to them. What about in church? Did you know that how you sing is important? I'm not talking about the quality of your voice. We're not saying we want you up here to do a solo because your voice is so good. No, uh, it's, is your heart into it? Are you reading the words on the screen or the words in the hymnal and just going through the rote motion of, oh, this song's going on, so I'll flap my lips along with it? Or are you genuinely singing to the Lord? Now, I think the song we're going to end with this, oh, it's tonight, we're going to end with a song that, that always really stirs my heart. The one this morning is good too, but, uh, but tonight, every time I sing that song, I'm just overwhelmed at how God connects with us. And um, so God wanted them to do the right actions, but he also wanted them to have the right attitude. Because how you do something matters more than what you do. What's important but how is more important? And now here's the second one. Why matters more than how? Why matters more than how? What deals with your... What was... I said what deals with your... 
actions. Uh, some of you are looking down at your notes. What was that he said? Okay. How deals with your attitude? And then why deals with your motive? Why deals with your motive? Why are you doing this? God wanted them to do the right actions in the right way for the right reason. God wanted them to sacrifice for the right reason and the right heart as an act of repentance and submission. So why do we give generously to the Lord? Because God's been so good to us and, and we rejoice and we're blessed by that. And why do we uh, attend church? Because this is a fellowship of believers and 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 we're excited to be here and some folks have family visiting with them today and and uh, Jamie's brother's here and, and Gary and Alice's son-in-law Jeff's here and and we got friends that we see here there's people here that I don't see very often except here and they're friends and they're special and and that's a benefit but we come also not just for the social dynamic we come to hear God's word and to be encouraged in God. And I love singing. When What was the song we sang right before, right the was it? For the cause. And I, everybody was singing and I glanced around. I saw different people, different ages, just singing that song of praise and worship to God for the cause. This We're doing this and, and it's special and it's a blessing. And we really appreciate that. What, what an opportunity that we don't get. You know, Kathy way prefers to have all of you singing along when I'm singing a song than to just hear me by myself. So why do you show love to your neighbor? Well, I'm trying to avoid a lawsuit. Okay, there's a better motive than that. Okay, you show love to your neighbor because it's the right thing to do. It's the Christ-like thing to do. It's what we're supposed to do. And why matters more than what or how, because why deals with your motives. And these people were doing these rituals, and they were presenting these sacrifices, and they were doing the grain sacrifice, and the blood sacrifice, and the pouring, and all of these rituals and things they did, because it was the right day of the week, or it was the right time of the month, or it was the right uh, to, you know, season of the year. And their hearts were not following God at all. And God was disappointed and disgusted by their behavior. So third thing, principle that we catch and learn from this is that your relationship matters more than your religious activity. Your relationship with God matters more than your religious activity for God. So you can do all the right things in the right order and God can be disgusted by it if your heart's not right. That relationship has to be right. Now we understand that in human relationships. We understand that, you know, the husband comes home from work because, well, that's where he sleeps so he has to go to that house because that's where he's going to sleep. Or he comes home from work so he can be with the family and enjoy it. Or the wife comes home from work or the teenage kids come home from work. Is it just because, well, if I don't go there, I got to pay for another place to have to sleep in? Or is it because you want to connect with the family? 
Hey, family life's a whole lot better when everybody enjoys being part of it. That's true at home. That's true in the church. Your relationship matters. God wants your heart first. So when you serve him with your heart, you are blessed and encouraged and strengthened for the work. But if you serve him out of ritual and obligation and you're just kind of going through the motions without your heart into it, then you're fatigued and you're discouraged. There's a lot of people facing burnout. They're, they're fatigued because their heart's not in what they're doing. That happens even in the church. I, I met with some family members a week ago yesterday. Uh, my niece graduated from college, and so I went down to celebrate with her, and, and I had a nice time visiting with them. And I got to see some of my family. And, you know, one of them so excited because he gets to retire this month. He's done. And then another one said, oh, she couldn't wait to retire. And another one said they couldn't wait to retire. Well, we're all in our early to mid-60s, and they're just so eager to retire. And I'm thinking, man, I want to go another dozen years, you know. I, I don't have a desire to retire. And I was sharing with one of them that, I don't have that desire at all. I want to keep going. And, and I said, but I do love what I do. And she said, well, that makes a big difference. Well, it does. When your heart's in it, you can endure a lot. You know, a, a parent who comes dragging home, they're just exhausted. They, they think, I can't do anything more today. I've worked 14 hours. I'm done. And they walk in the door and they see their child bleeding profusely. Suddenly that parent is highly motivated to do a lot of stuff because their heart's in it. And God wants our heart in our worship, our heart in our appreciation for him. As Isaiah said, those people were drawing near to God with their mouth, but their heart was far from him. God values and even cherishes his relationship with you. God looks forward to hearing from you in prayer. In fact, if you're here today and you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, God really wants to hear you pray and trust Christ and ask him to forgive your sins and be your Savior. If you have done that, God still wants to hear from you. You say, well, I've messed up my life so bad, nobody could love me. You know, uh, the theme verse for this month. Can you pop that back up? Is that possible? The theme verse for this month. It talks about even if your mom wants to forget you or does forget you, God will not. I was blessed to have a mom who was a godly influence in my life. Not everybody has that benefit. But there are some people, they say, I'm so bad my mother couldn't even love me. That might be true. But God still can. God still cares. God still calls us unto himself for salvation and for relationship to be part of his family. He looks forward to the day when you live with him forever. You know, <laughs> Kathy and I are, are kind of, uh, Megan is moving into a new house. She's been staying with us for a bit. The house is almost finished. She's moving into this house. And Kathy and I have been talking a little bit about 
we're, we're kind of looking forward to this. Do we love Megan? Yeah, we love her. We have fun with her. In fact, Kathy says, I now have to start paying attention because I can't say, oh, I thought you were talking to Megan. Uh, we, we love having the girls there. I'm going to really miss my grandpa hugs at night. When, when they're not sick or I'm not sick, we have big hugs and partial tickles a little bit. But, uh, and, and that's a fun thing. I'm going to miss that. I, I, Kathy just doesn't enjoy getting hugged and tickled for some reason. Uh, she likes the hugging part. But, you know, we're still looking forward to, Megan's looking forward to having her own place. But, you know, the interesting thing about God's house is it's so big that you're going to have your own place and we're going to be together at the same time. And, and we're going to love being together. It's not like, you know, a friend of mine told me, he said, you know, we were talking about Megan being in our house. He said, man, I love having my kids come and visit, but I also love having them leave. <laughs> God's going to love having you live there forever with him. Because he, that relationship that he has invested so much in to forgive your sins and save your soul and provide a hope for you, he has done that and he's excited about that. So I have a couple more questions for you. First is, how will God respond to your worship? How will God respond to your worship, to your prayers, to your offering? How will God respond? Are your attitudes and motives lined up with his? Is he pleased with the what and the how and the why? Secondly, how will you respond to God? Jesus phrased it this way, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. He was calling people to come and trust him for salvation. And he was calling believers to come and trust him for life. Because he meets needs. He calls you into a closer relationship with him. How will you respond? We know that God is disgusted with half-hearted religious behavior, but God is also thrilled with wholehearted religious behavior. He rejoices when we trust him and pursue him with our whole heart. So, remember this list? You maybe don't remember everything on this list. Could, I don't know if this is where to put this for everybody to see. Maybe I should put it where I can see it. Oh, that'd be beneficial. So, we talked about baptism. What is baptism? Well, in the Bible, after a person trusts Christ, they get baptized by immersion. That's what they did in the Bible, where you go down under the water as a symbol of the death and burial of Christ. You come up out of the water as a symbol of his resurrection, but it's also a symbol of you die to your old self and you're raised to walk in newness of life. So baptism. Can a person get baptized and not be sincere? Well, yeah, I know they can because I did that when I was five. I said a little prayer, got dunked in the tank, and I was just as lost as I was before saying that prayer and getting baptized. In fact, I wasn't baptized. My dad told me later, after I trusted Christ, he said, now you need to get baptized. I was an older teenager. He said, now you need to get baptized. I said, well, I was baptized then. He said, no, you weren't. 
Baptism's after salvation. All you were then was wet. So, love your neighbor. All right, there, you got your heart. You're loving. You Shout joyfully. Can you give a joyful shout in an empty way? Well, not fully joyfully. Pray for your enemies. And I know what some of you are thinking. Oh, I'm praying for them. God, let them suffer. No, that's not how the Bible says to pray for your enemies, just for the record there, okay? So put your heart. Don't worry. Now, I would ask you to raise your hand if you've ever worried about anything this year, but, you know, all that hand movement might blow the fans off the roof. But you know, don't worry. Trust and obey. Are you trusting with your heart? Is it a heart issue? Share Christ. Can you talk about Christ? Can you witness Christ in a self-centered way? Oh, yes, you can. There's people who brag about how many people they've led to Jesus. They count it up and they, like they put a notch in their gospel gun kind of thing. And that's not doing it with your heart. You're taking the love of God to the people God loves and try and bring the two together. That's what witnessing is. Uh, believing. God, you can believe with your head. Do you also believe with your heart? Giving. Is giving an obligation or a joyful expression of your faith in Christ? Forgiving other people. I heard one wife say about her husband, well, I, I'll forgive you, but I'll never forget. That's not really forgiveness, just, just for the record there. Okay? Put your heart in it. Confessing your sins. Well, that's really easy to confess your sins. But are you confessing them from a heart that says, I identify with God that this is wrong and I confess this sin and I want to either receive Christ as my Savior or restore the fellowship with Christ if I've already trusted Him? Is that how you confess your sins? Do you recognize your sins? Honoring your parents, putting your heart into it, showing respect. Honestly, some parents make it really hard to honor them. But you can do your best. Love God and do your best and, and try to find something you can appreciate from the parents. Overcome evil with good. Don't cheat or lie. Now, I talked with a lady once. I was witnessing to her. Her sister was a member of our church, her sister-in-law. Her sister-in-law was a member of our church and I was talking with her in the waiting room. We struck up a conversation. I'd never met her before. And I asked her if she had trusted Jesus Christ as her Savior. And she says, oh, yes. I never even speed. And I said, I'm sorry, what? She said, I never exceed the speed limit ever. I know Jesus. Do you think that's the standard Jesus is looking for? <laughs> If so, then some of you are really in trouble, right? <laughs> but the standard Jesus is looking for is, are you a believer? Have you trusted Christ? Yes. I confess my sins. I receive Christ as my Savior. Yes, I know Jesus. See, we have to add some qualifiers to these because even these, even the good and noble things here like witnessing for Christ and, and joyfully living for him and loving your neighbor, even they can become a ritual if your heart's not right before God. So God told Moses, Moses, God told Moses what he wanted from the believers in Israel 
And this is what he wanted. To fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him. To serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. So, for some of you, you might need to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior and begin the process of a loving relationship with God. For some of you, you've already trusted Christ as your Savior. Are you serving Him? Then how are you serving Him? Build that in. And for some of you, you have loved Him and you're serving Him faithfully. Are you serving Him with your whole heart, with all your soul? See, God sets the bar really high. And we have to stretch to get up there. It doesn't make you more saved. You're saved as soon as you trust Christ. But then he wants you to serve him and love him with all your heart. And see, that's what God wanted in Israel. And you know what I think? I think that's what God wants from believers in Arizona too. He wants you and me to love him, to serve him with all your heart and soul. Are you doing that? Are you loving him, serving him with all your heart and soul? I can't see your heart. The Bible says very clearly when Samuel was talking to uh, King Saul, it said, people are limited. People can only see the outside. Only God can see the heart. So, your heart to God's heart. Are you in a good place in your relationship with God? Is it healthy? Do you know him? Have you trusted Jesus Christ as Savior? Are you serving him? Are you loving him? Are you serving with your heart and soul? Those are questions that only you and God can answer. Well, let me tell you this. God wants that. He's always wanted that. From the very beginning in the Garden of Eden, uh, walking and talking with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day, God has always wanted a vibrant relationship with us. And someday we'll get to live in his presence. Awesome, glorious day. But until then, are you drawing closer to him? Or are you moving away? Are you getting caught up in the things of this world or caught up in the things of God while you still function in the things of this world. Love him. Serve him with all your heart and soul. All right, Jim's going to come up here and we're going to sing a song. And uh, right before we sing that song, I'm going to lead us in prayer. And uh, we're going to sing a song and, and, and we're going to focus about following the Lord with all our heart. And you may be here today and you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. And you might not even be sure what that means. Well, I'm going to be out in the courtyard and I would love to find somebody to show you from the Word of God what it means to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. We would love for you to do that. And you know what? God would love for you to do that too. And some of you may need to make a private decision just between you and God. God... I need to step up here. You're calling me to do more than I'm doing. And some of you, 
you're already doing that. You're already loving him and serving him with your whole heart. You just need to celebrate what God has already done in your life and is doing in your life and will do in your life as you continue to love and serve him. I don't know what you need to do, but God does, and you do. So respond to him today. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be in your house on your day, on the Lord's day in the Lord's house. We thank you that we can open the word of God and we can learn from it. We, we uh, Father, we could see ourselves sometimes in that uh, denunciation from Isaiah and from Amos about going through the rituals and not having our heart fully engaged. Thank you for your willingness to forgive our sins, to save our souls, and to restore us to fellowship with you. Father, I pray that those here today who have not trusted you as Savior, I pray they would do it today, receive Christ. For the believers who have already trusted Christ, who need to step up, I pray that you would challenge them to make that commitment this day and they would prayerfully commit that with you. And Father, for all of us, may we be so grateful for all that you have done because Jesus Christ put his whole heart into our salvation. And we can put our whole heart into loving and serving him. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to know more about Victory, please visit our website at victoryarizona.org. You can also connect with us on our Facebook page, or by emailing victory at victoryarizona.org. We'd love to help you accept and follow Jesus Christ.